This is Encounters, a dialogue that brings you multifaceted life stories you don't want to miss. I was always fascinated by China. And somehow, even though we traveled a lot as a family, we tried a few times to visit China for one of our holidays and it didn't happen. So it was always in my mind, you know, this is a place I want to know and explore. China's record as a nation has been peaceful. It was a fact for me. And what I wanted to learn was how can an existing philosophy lead to a more peaceful world? For me, yes, China was that. It further made me realize that it's not an ideal that I believe in. It's a reality. I think the Belt and Road Initiative, it's not just a term, it really means something. It means this realization that prosperity is together. It's not us versus them. It's not a moralistic system. It's of morality. You are right and I am right. Let's work together. We can be different. Hello and welcome. I'm Manling in Beijing. My guest today is Zhu Ahmed Khan, a researcher of the Belt and Road Initiative Program at China's Tsinghua University. The Pakistani lady now based in Beijing also works as the moderator for an online video program called Belt and Road Initiative Face to Face. Our conversation started from her Chinese name and her hometown, Lahore, the second largest city in Pakistan. Welcome to the China Plus studio, and would you please introduce yourself? Thank you. It's my pleasure. My name is Zun Ahmed Khan, and my Chinese name is Ming Zhu. Chinese name Ming Zhu. Ming Zhu. Who gave you this name? A friend of mine. Actually, it's inspired by Tianzhu the Jew, yeah. uh, which is ancient India. And actually, technically, ancient India is referring to the Indus civilization, which was with in current Pakistan. So it's a bit of a used to be, you know, together, right? It used to be together. But <laughs> mm. at the same time, technically, Jew should refer to what is Pakistan today. So it's a different name, just like my Pakistani name. And then Ming means what? Bright. Bright Jew, right? <laughs> Bright. You love it? I think it's different. And I, I do like it. I think Chinese people like it. So that's how I can understand that maybe it's a name that has a meaning. Do you know that this name is very beautiful and has a very you know, female beauty in it. I didn't know that before. <laughs> <laughs> as beautiful as you are. Where are you from? I'm from Lahore, Pakistan. Famous city, right? It, it is a famous city. And ancient and modern at the same time, right? Very, quite a lot like Beijing, to be yeah. honest. You compare Lahore to Beijing, not Shanghai? No. No? No. Why? Lahore, Lahore has so much history. It has the walled city in Lahore. It's standing for centuries and parts of Lahore go even further than a millennium. And they are not just standing there like ancient fixtures. They are thriving with life. You have people living there for generations, the same houses and the same lifestyle in some ways, the same foods. Lahore is so famous for its food. So people are not just living away from this history and heritage. They're living inside of it. Pakistan was created in 1947 and Karachi was the capital city at that time. And then it was changed to Islamabad. But Lahore is the capital city of the biggest province, Punjab. And Lahore is very, in a way, political because the 
a lot of media, a lot of the literature, a lot of the poetry came out of Lahore. So political also means awareness about politics. And in that way, Lahore is very much aware, very forward thinking as well. And also a sense of where we come from. I think that's also a balance that I see in Beijing. And this is why you don't want to compare Lahore to Shanghai. Shanghai is more commercial business art, right? Yes, Shanghai is very much like Karachi, which is our port ah. city. So that would be a fair comparison, I think. And Lahore also has a very upcoming modern side to it. So it's a city that has expanded a lot. So you see all these variations just the way you do in Beijing. And you were born in an intellectual family, right? What about journalism? Because now you are in the field of journalism. Any of your upper generation people who got involved in journal, you know, none. being a reporter? None. None. You so know, you opened a new thing, right? It's true in a way. But at the same time, for my grandfather, from my father's side, he was in the courts as well. He was a lawyer. And so was my grandfather on my mother's side. And my grandmother was a doctor. Both of them are lawyers? Yes. Wow. But completely different. Why you decided not to go into law? Well, I wanted to get into engineering always. My father is an engineer and he was a pilot. So it was till I was 18 years old, I wanted to be an engineer. And then... Why? Because I was good at physics and math. Still, they're my strong subjects. Do you believe that there was a Chinese saying maybe decades ago that if you're good at science, you would be able to you know, travel everywhere in this world? Do you <laughs> also believe in this? I don't know, but it's true for me because <laughs> I'm traveling more than I ever thought. Mm. It's true. I mean, I traveled as a child going for vacation, but in terms of work, I do feel like I get to explore a lot of opportunities. And the shift was very sporadic. I went to a university, LAMS, it's quite famous in Pakistan. It's the most famous for social sciences in some ways. And then I was, I realized that I have a knack for public speaking, for writing, and I just got so absorbed in it. And then I did political but science. But where does this trait come from, from your parents' influence? Uh, to be honest, my father is very open-minded. Yeah. Uh, he is really good at poetry. My parents love poetry, literature. And I think we were always exposed to writing and a lot of uh, literature ourselves as children. But also we were very keen to have discussions with my parents. I had all kinds of discussions with my father. Yeah, amongst all the kinds of discussions, did you talk about China? You know, Pakistan and China... A good friend, yes. right? Yeah. I was influenced by uh, Pakistani sort of films when I was little. I wow. love them. Vahid Murad. I yeah, I know. Famous. I love them. You know, I sing and dance, you know, Pakistani wow. tunes. So um, I wanted to know that your parents, starting from you, definitely, you are already here in this country. But um, your upper generation, like your grandparents and your parents, are they interested in Chinese culture and how much do they know or do they know about China? You know, you would be surprised. My father was flying for Pakistan International Airlines since 1970s. Pilot. He was, yes. Wow. He was a flight attendant. Since which year? Uh, since 1970-something, 77, 78. He was goodness. very young when he joined. So they were bringing flights from Pakistan to Beijing and to parts of China when maybe some other airlines were not even coming. So they were, my father has been here so frequently. He used to live at the Beijing Hotel. Uh, next Beijing to Hotel, one of the one of the best at that time, yes. And he saw China through the eighties, through the nineties, 
And wow. it was a regular thing. And my house was filled with Chinese porcelain, still is. My mother loves to decorate. And Besides porcelain, what else uh, did your father bring from we China? We had Chinese to fans. We had like... Everything. Chi Pao. Uh, so many things, hats, every a lot, a lot of things from China. They both the, love decorating. Were they cheaper or were they just uh, precious valuables? Some know? things were valuable and some were also cheaper. Mm. So like the porcelain decorations, some panels we have, we have some statues, jade decoration pieces in my drawing room. My mother loves to decorate. So uh, we have those kinds of things that were so fascinating and they were different. Other people in my family or my family friends, yeah. maybe they didn't have access to that. But uh, then there were also things that were cheaper. Like, you know, that we had electricity shortage sometimes, so we would need those fans. fans yeah. And those fans were beautiful and also cheaper. Yeah, and, and beautifully designed. Then because your father traveled or shuttled, you know, as a pilot between Beijing and yeah. Lahore, right? Yes. And other cities. Did he bring Pakistani goods to Chinese friends here? Did he make friends here? I think did he, he did. Have but, friends? you know, at that time, things were... He did. Um, he did interact with a lot of people. But at that time, he describes it to be quite different. Even they were only allowed to shop at friendship stores. There was a currency, a separate currency for the local people. And actually, he tells me that they would exchange it. <laughs> and it was an opportunity for them to actually explore China that was Chinese people and so not just this separate. So actually, your father is a witness of China's development. Yes. And, you know, they stopped his his aircraft change. So then somewhere in the 90s, they stopped his aircraft uh, change. So he stopped coming to Beijing. But he came to visit me last year in September. And after that, that was the first time he got the opportunity to come back. And he was even more amazed. He was shocked. Yeah, it was so, fascinating to him. What has changed to your father? Everything. What you know, everything in what sort of details? The infrastructure, for sure. Beijing. I mean, from people have changed in a good way. From he remembered when people were in uniforms and on their bikes, and now everyone. I mean, there's so much more interaction. People are more extroverted, and in a way, people are much more keen talk to foreigners. I think at that time, people were still very friendly, but they were more shy. So he saw that people are more extroverted and the place has changed. They've become so much better off because of their hard work. And I think that when it hits you, the magnitude of it was a sacrifice that people made here as well, a sacrifice to keep working hard, to make their nation better. And you see that on their faces that they've come a long way. And that's something to learn from. So it's kind I of a shock for your dad, right? He um, was how overwhelmed. Long Overwhelmed. Yeah. How long was the interval between this visit and his last? More than 20 years. Oh, 20 years. More Definitely. 20 years. Actually, China is changing every day. Every day. Yeah, the, indeed. The, since I've been here, 2015, it's changed so much, the street where I live. I mean, it's, it's amazing how fast things move forward and how open people are to change. Shall I conclude that your parents actually and, and your grandparents have led you here to China? When was the idea formed in your mind that you wanted to come to China and make a career here? That is also a different story. So I was always fascinated by China. And somehow, even though we traveled a lot as a family, we tried a few times to visit China for one of our holidays and it didn't happen so it was always in my mind you know this is a place I want to know and explore but 
the decision to come to China was because after I graduated in political science, I was working as a security analyst. I was working in a think tank and I was doing a lot of Pakistan related foreign policy issues. The Shanghai Corporation Organization was of extreme interest to me. The AIIB, when it was established, it made history. And I was amazed at how fast the world's fulcrum, the focus is shifting towards China. As someone who's studying international relations and international politics, I thought, you know, we are such close friends with China. For Pakistan, China is such a good friend, a reliable partner. But how many people know China? How many of us study China? How many of us know what Chinese foreign policy is about? So I wanted to pursue international relations and I felt that this is the future. And at that time, it was a very, it was in a way a radical decision because people from my university, generally, if they want to study international relations or social sciences, they would go to Western countries. But they don't real. maybe now the realization is even faster because I'm talking about 2014, before the CPEC was announced. And it was something I felt that would definitely be exploring a new universe. And the implications of how China is building, how China is rising, and also how Pakistan can benefit more, be a more reliable partner. These were things I wanted to understand. And, and I felt there was a big gap. And you had quite a few exposures to Chinese culture, right? Yes. Before you decided to come to China to, yes. to start a career. So after you decided and after you arrived, what sort of impressed you most? What was the difference between what you had expected and what is, is the reality? I'll go back a little bit first. Right before I was about to take my flight to Beijing, maybe eight, nine months, I was a TV anchor in Pakistan. Television anchor. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I had a show that was very popular. It was international relations. What's the name of that show? Kya, which means what? And every episode was like, what is this? I mean, Kya was a theme. Introduce every something. Episode. It was a question that yeah, we were trying yeah, to answer. Yeah, yeah. Out of the many episodes I did, four of them were solely dedicated to China. So while I was anchoring that program, the $46 billion announcement was made. $46 billion the President Xi Jinping visited Pakistan in April 2015. And that was a huge news for Pakistan. So now I made the decision to come to China somewhere in September 2014. Mm -hmm. Towards April, March, April, June, these months, right before I was about to leave for Beijing, for Tsinghua University, the perceptions changed so much. Now Now in Pakistan, people realize, wow, China is helping Pakistan so much. The magnitude of China became visible in a positive... Pakistan was seeking help for so long. So my idea of what I wanted from China, what I wanted to learn changed from something I don't understand as much as I really need to, towards this is something far more than I had expected. You know, it's like you go for a decision and then you realize it's even more important and significant and there's so much more than I thought when I was making that. What you heard and what you saw enhanced your decision actually. Enhanced it and it was something that I had not foreseen. Now fast forward to August, September 2015. I did not expect, first of all, the infrastructure. I didn't. I didn't know that it would be so advanced. The subways, the people. I mean, it was everything because, see, Pakistan and Lahore especially, in some ways, it's still very traditional. So in China, you saw that people are modern, but also later I realized they were also very traditional. So they're very fast-paced. The face of the city amazed me. Then the Tsinghua University campus, I would not expect it to be 
as well equipped, as modern and as sophisticated as it was. My expectation was just to learn from something different. But what I saw was actually it. Why Qinghua? Because you're into like a political science and uh, social science, right? Beida would be another choice. So why? That's true. Why Actually, I applied to both Tsinghua, Beida, and Fudan. And at that time, my understanding was oh, only... Oh, the three topmost. Yes, <laughs> the best because ones. that was for my parents. They said, you have to get into one of these. You have good guidance my, in life. Yeah, your parents especially give you advice father. as your father. Yes, He is always pushing me is to your do mentor? better. He is yes, your mentor. He is my mentor. You're lucky. So Tsinghua. Tsinghua, because Tsinghua was the number one by far. And at that time, actually, my decision was not that well informed in some ways. But in retrospect, I'm very happy that I went to Tsinghua. Now I'm working there as well. And the kind of opportunities that I feel Tsinghua can offer me, maybe other places would offer different, but this is where I feel like I should be. How many years you spent in Tsinghua? Over three and a half Already, you already now I graduated, was, right? I graduated in 2017, and that's when I took up a research a master's position. Degree? A master's degree. Did Tsinghua live up to your expectation? 100%. Actually, my learning was not just from the classrooms. What I learned was from Chinese professors who were also teaching Chinese students, some of the best professors in China, what their outlook on the world is. So... It's like understanding a completely different universe. And for me, for a very long time, I feel very strongly about a shift from a unipolar to a multipolar world. It's a term we use in international relations. And I think my country suffered in a strongly unipolar world. And what we need is more countries, like a stronger, stronger poles. And for China to show its vision, it's a very peaceful vision. It's something that I agree with on a much more fundamental level than, say, a good experience, a happy life. It's something that it could be my mission in life, that we should have more peace in this world. Do you think Tsinghua professors and teachers and even classmates helped you to form this outlook? When I was in Lums, I think, and the time that I was working as an analyst, you must know that that was Pakistan's very difficult period, especially in terms of security threats. And we've come a long way from there, actually. It's fixed, pretty much. So... I think it was my personal experience of living in a situation where it was where you did not feel safe. That, and then this was a possible solution. And then I was studying some of post-colonial literature, some, some other people like Noam Chomsky, Iqbal Ahmed. And then China's record as a nation has been peaceful. It was a fact for me. And what I wanted to learn was how can an existing philosophy lead to a more peaceful world. For me, yes, China was that. It further made me realize that it's not an ideal that I believe in. It's, have you it's a reality. Have you got the answer? I think I'm, How I'm, an existing philosophy leads to a peaceful sort of a nation like China? That's yes, a big question. That's big a big question. question. It's still to be answered fully, but 100%, I feel that it is compatible with what my personal ideals are, 100%. And I think the Belt and Road Initiative it's not just a term. It really means something. It means this realization that prosperity is together. It's not us versus them. It's not a moralistic system. It's one, it's of morality. You are right and I am right. Let's work together. We can be different. And this is a traditional mindset. What we departed from perhaps in Western culture is this mindset where we don't have to convert each other. We just have to be accepting. And for me, the, this part of the Chinese thinking, I studied Chinese literature before I came, and this was very attractive for me. And when I studied with my professors in Tsinghua, I think this was further strengthened 
that the Belt and Road Initiative, and they taught more than just the BRI, but in it in and of itself, what China's vision is is very much compatible with the peace that we are seeking in this world. So the Belt and Road Initiative is not really born out of. Nowhere, it can be traced back to the Chinese morality sort of、uh, yeah. school of thinking. For example,、uh, maybe the Confucianism, right?、Yeah. Friendship and hospitality, all these things. And you have already figured out a little bit, but that's a grand sort of uh, scope uh, philosophical question. And we, everyone, maybe needs to spend more time to explore it, explore it, to、right. understand why it affects me and you. I think、exactly. that's the first. If we are bothered by something, then we explore it. So it's something that I see how much it has impacted my country. I work very closely with the China-Pakistan Economic Corridor. My research institute in Xinhua we focus on the Belt and Road Initiative. So you see that this kind of a mentality it can lead to positive interactions in any dimension, political, economic. People to people, cultural. So, if you are starting from the right point, or at least with the right vision, then it can lead to something that can be mutually beneficial and mutually determined. But you are actually researching on this, and、yes. you're accepting or what come to terms with such a philosophy. What about your people back in Pakistan? Do you share with them, or do they share with your views? You know, the Belt and Road Initiative in Pakistan is called the China-Pakistan Economic Corridor (CPEC).、Mm-hmm. So, since CPEC was announced, it became the biggest thing in Pakistan because we were starved for some kind of investment in infrastructure, energy for some time. We had been through a difficult period as a nation, and then you must also see that first of all, we required it. And then Pakistan is the one country with the most positive perceptions about China in the world. These are objective studies. So for Pakistanis, China is a friend. It's such a positive sentiment that I think sitting here, one or two, three words cannot express it. China is a friend. As a correspondent, when I was in London, I came across Pakistani journalists. We were so friendly with each other. It's、yeah. just just like a family, right? A feeling、yeah. of、uh, you know. So if you look at Pakistan in the 1960s and 70s, even in the 1980s, Pakistan was one of the fastest growing economies. Actually, Pakistani bankers were the ones that contributed to China's banking system. They were ahead of us. Then, yes, yes, ahead and also much more integrated in certain institutions, and also at the same time, Pakistan was lobbying strongly for China to get the Security Council seat. So the thing is that I feel in the journey of nations, these highs and lows—they are a part of that process. Sometimes we try something that doesn't work, and at other times we try something that works. So for Pakistan, that period when Pakistan was ahead of China in terms of modernization, technology, and economic growth, and also education and health, that is in the past. But it's not in the very distant past. And now it's an opportunity for us to learn from China because what China did worked, and for some time what we did unfortunately did not. So I think. To see it as as an opportunity to maintain that relationship, this is an opportunity to enhance that relationship. And even now, for Pakistan, there are things that we can contribute to this relationship. But for sure, China has what we seek. In this episode, Zhu shares some stories about connections between her family and China dating back to 1970s. It's not a secret. 
that many Pakistanis, including Zhu's family, think China is the best friend of their country. But actually, when Zhu decided to come to China for further study in 2014, many people didn't understand her decision. In next episode, Zhu will tell us the reason why Pakistani people didn't understand it and what changes have taken place in people's mindset since 2015. I'm Manling. Thank you for tuning in to our program. And if you liked it and want to listen to us again, just find us on our website, chinaplus.cri.cn and Apple Podcasts. Thank you.